0: Through the woodland, through the valley, comes a horseman wild and free, tilting at the windmills passing. Who can the brave young horseman be? He is wild, but he is mellow. He is strong, but he is weak. He is cruel, but he is gentle. He is wise, but he is meek. Reaching for his saddlebag, he takes a battered book into his hand.
1: Hey, everybody. Welcome to Jagged Little Mill, a podcast where the folks from Overdue, a podcast about the books you've been meaning to read, we're going to read Don Quixote, a couple chapters at a time. My name is Craig. My name is Andrew. We're the
2: men of La Mancha. We
1: are the men of La Mancha um, and other erstwhile titles that we did not use instead of Jagged Little Mill, which we do love. It's a good... It's pretty good.
2: I'm happy with it. And I think I'll get more happy with it as... It, as these go out, and that's just the name that it
1: is. Yeah, <laughs> and there is something, there was something quixotic about our quest for a title mm. on this pod here. That's true. You're very right about that. Um, and maybe we'll learn what that word means. <laughs> 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 that's
2: one of my. What I don't know if we do enough like goal setting at the top of these yeah projects. Like
1: my goal is to learn what quixotic
0: means <laughs> and where <laughs> it comes from.
1: Yeah, so we're gonna be reading. Uh, Miguel de Cervantes' Don Quixote, uh, several chapters at a time. This episode, we're going to be covering the prologue, chapters one through four, and then uh, some like background stuff. Um, it is also known as The Ingenious Gentleman Don Quixote of La Mancha. <laughs> a title I couldn't get through without laughing, apparently. Mm-hmm. Um, it's
2: pretty, I mean, it's objectively funny.
1: It is. It is Like much of this book, it is objectively funny, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do want to give a shout out at the top of this Long read Project. This is very unusual, Andrew. I want to give a shout out to Chris and Claire, who are some of our Patreon supporters who recommended that we read Don Quixote several years ago. Oh. Um So yeah, I think in future episodes, we will probably dig into a little bit about how else this story has been adapted and retold and um, used for inspiration. But I think we want to do a background on our author, our translator, and a little bit about just where this book came from first, before we get into the tale itself. Yeah. So we've read
2: the, for the actual like meat of the episode, we've read the prologue. And chapters one to four Mm -hmm. of the Edith Grossman translation. Oh, yeah. So those of you reading along at home, that is, we'll pass out a syllabus later. (laughs) This will be on the
1: quiz. Yeah. But Mm -hmm. this is what we're reading for this time. Yeah. What do you know about, what do you know about Don Quixote in general, Andrew? Coming in, what's your frame of reference for this story?
2: Our Spanish class, I think pretty much every year, most years, would go down to... Uh, Columbus, Ohio, where they had this, I don't know if they still do it, but what seemed to be basically a standing th- play adaptation of Don Quixote that they just put on all the time.
1: <laughs> that was not the not Man of La Mancha the musical, a play.
2: No, it was not. I don't believe it was musical. It was a play. I, r- I remember very little about it because... <laughs> It was really just, you know, it's it's high school Spanish and you're going on a field trip. You don't get to do that every day. True, true. So, yeah. And I know about the windmills. I know he's kind of a doofus. Yes. I know that he's got a a squire named Sancho Panza.
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's what I know. What about you? What do you know? I am aware of and I have ever seen the musical Man of La Mancha by Dale Wasserman, Mitch Lee, and Joe Darian. But I... Don't know it very well. I did not perform in it in high school or anything, even though I know plenty of people who did. So, you know, you go driving around in high school with the older theater nerds and they're singing all the La Mancha songs that you don't know. Yeah, classic. Sometimes. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, familiar with the windmills, uh, familiar with just the concept of this man, but not really any knowledge about the actual stories that we're going to encounter um i did not get like a i did not watch a wishbone of don quixote or anything as a kid there there must be one but
2: i feel like it would reflect to poor. i mean i guess you'd have to make him sancho panza right you'd like, have you, to make wishbone, wishbone can't be wishbone can't be stupid right no like they wouldn't they wouldn't have him play a role that reflected poorly on him you right? can't
1: let wishbone be stupid that's the first <laughs> rule of wishbone <laughs> uh well that's good we're, we're coming in fresher than we have on some of these which is good um what do we know about cervantes I don't know what do you know about him? He's from Spain. Yeah, he's from Spain, born in 1547, we think. Died in 1616, we know, uh, I believe. And
2: he wrote this when he like relatively late in his life, right? Pretty like he wrote late. one thing and then
1: there were two decades
2: where he didn't publish anything and then Don Quixote came out.
1: Yeah, so he he had a like int- he had one of those complicated lives where mm, he did a whole Tell bunch me news <laughs> of a complicated man. <laughs> he, did a bunch of stuff um i did find a couple of different sources about quixote's Quixote, cervante's family <laughs> um you know his father was a barber um there's a couple of different articles about his family perhaps being of jewish ancestry it would have been a century after the jews were expelled from spain in 1492 and there's this whole thing about he he or his family may or may not have been practicing uh, Judaism in secret, even though they would probably have, would have uh, converted to Catholicism. Right. Um, And just like, I'm going to, try and dig into that a little bit further for future episodes because I can't really tell what the scholarship says on it. It might be pretty recent, but at the very least it provides a potential framework for like marginalized characters in these stories and critiques of imperial Spain and stuff like that. He Mm -hmm. did... He went to school, unclear if he finished. He left Madrid in 1569 after an arrest warrant for a duel Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and then served in uh like the holy league in the spanish part of the holy league in the war with between the pope and the ottoman empire i don't really know (laughs) he sounds rad yeah sounds like got up to
2: a lot of rad stuff
1: he got injured a bunch and like served valiantly probably he did go on a boat trip with his brother and got captured by the turks and spent five years in imprisonment she got out though. was cool and then he got married and was doing a lot of writing, lots of plays and pastoral romances, no real fame or anything like that. He is a contemporary of Shakespeare, so that's helpful to to put in the back of your brain. Do you think they knew each other? No, I don't
2: think so. Do you think there is, uh, like,
1: fanfic? Y- yes, I hope about- so. <laughs> Please send us your Shakespeare Cervantes fanfic. What's
2: that site? That site. Ao3. Ao3. I was thinking of. I thought AOC. (laughs) AOC. Is there Ao3 of Shakespeare and Cervantes? God, I hope so. Getting themselves
1: to a nunnery or something. Yo, (laughs) Um, donning Quixotes and whatnot. Um, Mm. He did sheathing swords. (laughs) <laughs> he served as the commissary of provisions for the spanish armada he didn't do a great job there and the the armada stopped doing a great job and he worked as a tax collector in madrid he went back to jail for financial irregularities in his tax collection documents okay there is a joke in
2: here where don quixote says that seven times nine is 73 yeah grossman notes that this may have been an intentional you know just a little
1: joke about his alleged financial improprieties dig it i dig it uh it's said that he may have started writing don quixote while he was he was in jail during that period he sold the the publishing rights what in 1603 or 04
2: what do you have publishing rights back then?
1: Well, he, like, yeah, he sold them away. He didn't make wow. any money on it. He was like, you can publish my story. Who got the movie rights? Mm, Good question.
2: (laughs) Everyone. Listen, we don't have movies yet, but when we do, we are going to to get these rights.
1: Uh, Got to lock them down. What actually happened, of course, is a bunch of people were like, hey, I'm going to make money off this. I'm going to make my own translation. I'm going to make my own version. Um, And actually, so the first part comes out in 1605. The sequel sequel second part Don Quixote part two comes out in 1615 but it's by different people a different guy right uh the there was one just before it by a different guy that stunk and Cervantes was yeah I was thinking (laughs) it's like
2: not in terms of quality but in terms of like lineage it is it is the Ms. Pac-Man of
1: yes
0: it is
1: (laughs) (laughs) a little bit um and so yeah so Cervantes had to answer uh this other quixote that was out there and then by 1617 you start seeing single editions like we have now with the two parts collected um and of course there's a whole history of english translations of this the first was by tom shelton in 1612 and 20 you've got putnam cohen and starkey in the 1940s and 50s apparently there was a version in the 18th century which is where we get the phrase pop the proof is in the pudding popularized from really hmm it was a mistranslation of Cervantes. <laughs> um, and then this is like... I guess that's why that doesn't make any literal sense. It doesn't. Proof is
2: in the pudding.
1: I think it's the proof of the pudding is in the eating is the full phrase.
2: That makes more sense because like, why would you put the proof in the pudding? That's not a good place for it. Yeah. It seems like you would ruin both the proof and the
1: pudding. Mm. Um But that's not Cervantes' fault. Yeah. Uh, and then we find ourselves in the 21st century with a couple of different editions, but then this edition from Edith Grossman. You want to tell me about Edith Grossman, Andrew?
2: Uh, yeah, Edith Grossman is a renowned Spanish-to-English translator. Um, she's translated tons of people, including our boy, Gabriel Garcia Marquez. Our boy. Uh, Myro. Hmm? Our boy. My- our boy. Yeah, he's our boy. We know him. Yeah. <laughs> we-, we know him from like two other episodes. Uh, Myra Montero, Augusto Monteroso. Uh, Jaime Monrique, Julian Rios, uh, and of course Cervantes himself. Ah, himself. Um, she's a Philly native. She is. You know. I mean, she lives up in New York now, but uh. from Philly originally. And uh, she started translating this book in two thousand one, finished it in two thousand and three, and it ended up on like the New York Times bestseller list. It is by far, I think, one of the most like commercially successful translations of. Uh, don quixote
1: that exists which says something Um, because it's already a very commercially successful work over time you you run across phrases like the two most translated books in the world are the bible and don quixote like it's it's up there it's been around uh a long time it's purportedly the first novel yada 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 so yeah um
2: and yeah, she she has a short translator's note. I, I think we got spoiled when we read uh, Emily <laughs> yes, Wilson's The that's Odyssey true. because that's true. she had such a painstaking and detailed and super great like 100-page <laughs> translator's note and like history of The Odyssey that gives you all kinds of background and stuff on the work. Um, but she, Grossman, says – Um, I've never kept a translating journal, though I admire those I have read. Keeping records of any kind is not something I do easily. And after six or seven hours of translating at the computer, the idea of writing about what I have written looms insurmountably as does the kind of self scrutiny required. The actuality of the translation is in the translation and having to articulate how and why I have just articulated the text seems cruelly redundant. (laughs) (laughs) So she doesn't go, she doesn't like dive deep into like individual word choices or just like in general, what she's specifically what she is doing with the text. But she does say in general, her approach is um, informed by uh, Julian Rios, who she was talking to about it. And he says to her, "Um, Cervantes was our most modern writer. And what I had to do was translate him the way I translated everyone else. That is the contemporary authors whose works I have brought over into English. Julian's characterization was a revelation. It desacralized the project and allowed me finally to confront the text and find the voice in English. And she makes a, a good point that Cervantes himself is using what would have been modern language in the book specifically so he can contrast it with the antiquated like yeah. f- florid prose that don quixote himself speaks in because he is such a big fan of these trashy
1: chivalry books. Yeah, and he's widely this book and him writ large because of it is is wise, widely credited with establishing a lot of then modern spanish and castilian because of this book and just everybody mm-hmm. having it as a similar to when we talked about uh, Dante and uh, Italian and like you yeah. know stuff being codified because you have this central text to refer to. Yeah, um, 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 I know you yeah, found she, some. She, did you find um, some detractors? Because the the I made note that she said she used the Martine de Riquette edition of Don Quixote which is based mm-hmm. on the, f- that's her Spanish source, which is based on the first printing of the book. She says, with all its historic slips and errors, which I don't really know what that means, but I know there were I some mean, folks I have got to did. imagine
2: like with uh, the 1001 Nights, like maybe, maybe not as much because that thing got, like everybody yeah. got their fingerprints <laughs> on that thing. <laughs> but it does seem like there are different editions of the original Spanish and some are, held to be more faithful than the others like grossman doesn't go into that so maybe that's some research we can do for a future show yeah um but w- among her sort of academic uh, detractors is this guy tom lathrop who writes a, a an article commending her for her success <laughs> and saying that ultimately it's good that more people are reading this book okay how he very says, nice tom Um, It was published on October 21st, 2003, and two months later on Christmas Eve 2003, it rose to be the ninth best selling book at Amazon.com. What this means is that thousands or even hundreds of thousands of people have experienced reading this book in recent months, a great boon to Cervantista's desire to see a Quixote on everyone's bookshelf. Our collective hats should collectively – well, say collective (laughs) a few more times, Tom, (laughs) Thomas – Our collective hats should collectively be tipped in the direction of New York's Upper West Side to congratulate Edith Grossman on her achievement. Um, And he talks about how it's aimed at sort of casual readers. And then he goes on to to have a bunch of different like backhanded compliments about word choices that he disagrees with. God, cool. In the first two paragraphs of the novel itself, it matters little to the man in the street. Ugh! You can practically hear his disdain. Whether Don Quixote's lance was stored on a shelf, as the translation says, or on a lance rack, or if Don Quixote's greyhound was used for racing, as in the translation, or if he, or if he was merely swift.
1: Oh my God! It's Like my
2: dude, I didn't. This thing's 19 pages long. I didn't read it because no one has time for that. Tom, I did read, <laughs> but that kind of stuff. I, I don't know. I I understand why. I mean, I know a lot about a couple things. <laughs> i know like i know a lot about star trek and when you know a lot about a thing yeah 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 yeah, yeah. i guess you you do notice errors about that thing or like inconsistencies that pop up but i'm not gonna write like a 19 page academic paper about it
1: no but that's what he gets paid for
2: take the w tom people are reading don quixote
1: uh also our our old frenemy Harold Bloom mm-hmm. writes a glowing introduction to this edition that I won't really talk about too much cuz I don't know how I feel about Harold Bloom except like you need to be really uh conversant in the great works of Shakespeare to read a Harold Bloom essay <laughs> he's so you just, were fine you're, you're I was okay actually I don't <laughs> I didn't feel comfortable in there so yeah Harold Bloom seems on board I think I'm on board with this translation so far we should get into I it mean,
2: as goes Harold Bloom so goes over to no that is not trade. true no no no
1: my I have reservations about Harold Bloom t-shirt is answering a lot of questions mm-hmm. Um. But let's get into it, Andrew. Okay. Let's talk about our boy. Well, first, actually, I would love to talk about Don Cote, but we got to talk about Miguel de Cervantes first because he wrote a prologue for us. What do you think about the prologue? I was like, "Is this right? <laughs> what is way? Hey, what do you mean?
2: I well, I had to. I went back to the table of contents and was like, "Is this part of the book, or is yes, this it is. some weird, weird art project that somebody did? That's the book, was, man." I was very intrigued. So the first, I think the first poem, and then one or two of the other ones are all doing this thing where the last syllable of every word is missing.
1: That's its own business, yes. And
2: it was it was strange, but I kind of liked it because my brain could guess it most of the time, and I was like, "Yeah, that means I'm smart." <laughs> so
1: you're, so it's you're like when at- you do
2: the New York Times spelling bee. Yes. I need a book that tells me I'm smart. You do, yes.
1: So this is after Cervantes writes a short little prologue here where he's basically like, hey, I want this book to be great, and I want you to think it's great. But that means I have to write a good prologue, and I think that's gonna be hard.
2: Oh yeah, this part of the prologue. Okay, yes, yes, yeah, yeah. It's we're on the same page. I, I was thinking about the poems because there was a lot of poems. There were
1: a lot of poems.
2: <laughs> but yeah, this uh, this prologue is Don Quixote being like Miguel de Cervantes. It's Cervantes, it's Cervantes being like. Man, I'm worried that this book's not very good. And so he's, and one of his friends comes in and is like, hey, man, what you, what you doing? And Cervantes is like, oh, I didn't see you come in. I'm worried that my book's not going to be good enough because I don't have fancy footnotes and I don't have like cool. Poems. Like references to stuff or, or like things at the front of every chapter like a, like a really smart, cool
1: book does. And I love his Cer- unnamed buddy so much. And
2: Cervantes' cool friend, Biff, I guess we'll call him. <laughs> Biff is just like, hey man, don't worry, take it sleazy. Just make it all up. Yeah. Just make it, make it all up. Just name stuff after the Bible. Use some super common Latin phrases. Like you don't need to be super smart. And then if you want to have a glossary in there to show how researched and great your book was, just like copy and paste it. From somewhere else. And nobody looks at that stuff anyway. They'll just see that you did it and assume you're smart. And I was like, Biff, you are on to something. <laughs> le- my friend. Yeah, I really like it because he <laughs> leads it. He's
1: like, Wait, you're sad about how to make this like complicated book? Cause you don't think you can? aren't you smart he's like aren't you the one who's saying you're smart all the time you can't figure this out here's the biff plan and then he ends with he's like well weren't you trying to critique all these books that have all the stuff that you say they have anyway so like couldn't you just make a book that makes people smile and makes them think that those other books are dumb Uh uh-huh idiot Uh, And so Cervantes is like cool my friend was right Okay let's go And then he says I do not want to charge you too much For the service I have performed in introducing you To so noble and honorable a knight But I do want you to thank me For allowing you to make the acquaintance Of the famous Sancho Panza His squire In whom, in my opinion I have summarized for you All the squarely wit and charm Scattered throughout the great mass of inane books of chivalry Uh, We do not meet Sancho Panza in this episode I kept I kept waiting
2: for him. Yeah, it's like in a Seinfeld episode where you're waiting for Kramer to come in. It's like I know Kramer's <laughs> gonna come in, <laughs> but when is when is Kramer? When's that Kramer? Kramer?
1: Um, but no, then we get a section called "To the Book of Don Quixote of La Mancha," and these hit me again with these poems, Andrew. What is this section doing?
2: I mean, it's mostly a bunch of poems, kind of introducing us to what different people think about. Don Quixote <laughs> like there are a bunch of poems from people to him and sometimes to his horse.
1: Yes. They they appear to be written by other knights of chivalric romances. In future episodes we will probably do a deep dive on what chivalric romances are um but it's a long-standing romantic storytelling tradition that Cervantes mm. is critiquing here. How romantic. So he has um take in characters from those books and put words in their mouths about how cool Don Quixote is Mm -hmm. or whatever. Uh, At one point someone is writing to Sancho Panza and is like, yo, I envy your donkey. I envy your cool name and all the cool stuff you did. And then you're right. Andrew, the last poem is actually from another horse. (laughs) Two Cervantes. (laughs) a Two coyotes horse. It is from uh Babieca, who is the horse of El Cid, it's a famous knight apparently. Mm -hmm. And it's No, I know El Cid. Oh sure. Um and it's just like, Hey, what's your deal? And Rosinante is like, uh yeah, Don Quixote kinda stinks, but he's my he's my guy. I I don't know what to say um which is like a fun exchange between horses i think in the legend maybe don quixote's horse <laughs> is supposed to like horses. descend from the other horse it's very it's a it's very cheeky we of course have read the prologue where he's like i'm gonna make up all these poems so we know that they're made up which is fun some mixed media stuff going on mm-hmm. and then chapter one we're in la mancha and we meet we're our boy in la
2: mancha and we meet don quixote chapter one which describes the condition and profession of the famous gentleman Don Quixote of La Mancha
1: I love these little the gang and the gang gets into stocks like I love yeah these it, re- little- it
2: really sets me up for like the one where Don mm-hmm. Quixote like <laughs> becomes a knight or whatever um, I like them. so in La Mancha which is just this is <laughs> something this this was like something we read for um for a genie baby somewhere in La Mancha in a place whose name I do not care to remember. <laughs> yep. A gentleman lived not long ago and that that is such an effective way to communicate to the reader not only that they don't need to care about where this is but also that where it is is not like objectively important yeah. on the world stage Correct. in any way. <laughs> Correctmundo. <laughs> um so we meet Don Quixote. He's he's doing okay. He's like He's got some land. He's got one, like, handyman who does a bunch of work around the house. He's
1: 50. 50 years old-ish.
2: He, you know, he makes a good stew, even though he, you know, he eats beef more nights than he eats lamb, if you know what I mean. I do not, but but okay. It means that beef costs less than lamb. (laughs) Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, read a book.
1: What Specifically this book. Well, what... Well, that's something that Don Quixote loves doing. He just loves reading books. That's all he, he does. Loves
2: reading books, and they're all, but they're all books about chivalry and cool knights doing cool chivalric knight things. Yes, and they ro- literally rot his brain. <laughs> yeah. So there's a- everything that your parents told you about not watching too much TV happens to Don Quixote of La Mancha. The
1: don't sick too close to the tv your eyes will go bad and you'll go insane is what Mm -hmm. happens here there's um there is a snippet from one of the books which i don't think this is probably real i think this is probably cervantes making it up um the reason for the unreason to which my reason turns so weakens my reason that with reason i complain of thy beauty that's the type of stuff that don quixote is reading and going give me more I love and
2: it. I mean when he talks later on. about oh, yeah! And I think we've probably each highlighted some some passages of Don Quixote talking. When he talks, it's clear that uh, economy of language is not the strong suit no. of these books. No. Um, with these words and phrases, the poor gentleman lost his mind and he spent <laughs> sleepless nights trying to understand them and extract their meaning, which Aristotle himself, if he came back to life for only that purpose, would not have been able to decipher or understand.
1: <laughs> I, I think one thing we're going to have to combat with this project is just reading the funny parts and enjoying uh, Yeah, them.
2: that's the tough thing about talking about any comedy, right?
1: But I don't want to not share them, because I do think that it is a thing that the book is doing, and to highlight them is to serve the book. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, I th- I am convinced that we could just sit here and just quote the book at each and other. And just read
2: sick passages of yeah. Don Quixote to each other. Yeah.
1: Um, so he cleans up some armor, Uh some he tests The helmet and breaks it and then Puts it back together and just puts it on his Head and goes good enough
2: so he has A helmet but it's not like a Cool knight's helmet like the, the You know the face covering and so he makes one out Of wood and he's like okay this Looks great I'm gonna test this bad boy And it breaks yeah And then he makes another one and he lines it With metal on the inside and he doesn't want it to break again, so he doesn't test
1: it. Nope. He's just like, this is probably fine. Straps to his head. He names I get, his... I, I get
2: that. I get that. I've built computers like that.
1: Oh, boy. Haven't you? <laughs> um, he names his horse Rostenante, which apparently means nag before? Before nag? Mm-hmm. I don't know about horses. It means something. He gives himself... I mean, a nag is like a bad horse. Yeah. Okay. And...
2: I guess if you're naming it before Nag, either it was, yeah, I guess it would have been, oh, this horse was a Nag before, but now it's an awesome horse.
1: <laughs> Our horse is an awesome horse. Our horse is an awesome horse, Last <laughs> descended from the nearest. Uh He gives himself a name as well, Don Quixote. Um, I've seen some stuff on this maybe meaning thigh armor or like... The word may come from the Catalan for thighs, which may also just mean butt. Like it's unclear, <laughs> like or a horse's yeah. butt or something. Mm-hmm. So like the his name is supposed to be funny, like just Mister Butt, Mister Butt. Um, I my notes call him DQ a lot for, mm-hmm. uh, for efficiencies sake Dairy Queen. But he mm. has decided he's got his cool horse. He's got his armor. He's got his sick name, Don Quixote of La Mancha. Um, he does have to have a lady that he is in love with. So he has made so he up a lady. so he invents
2: one? <laughs> so he invents a lady? Yeah. Hey, lady. Who's that? Who's that? Was it Monty Teo or whatever his name was? That yeah. football player <laughs> who made <laughs> up his girlfriend? No.
1: <laughs> <laughs> My name's Monty Teo. Um, <laughs> yeah. And yeah, he, he makes up Dulcinea of Toboso uh, because she's sweet and it's a musical. It's a, not a bad name. Um, no, it's
2: a, it's a good name, but, but she doesn't He's exist. a made-up lady. Yeah. <laughs> so it doesn't really matter how good her name is, does it?
1: No. We go to chapter two, uh, which tells of the first Sally that the ingenious Don Quixote made from his native land. Um, what's the main... There's a main problem here that he has to solve, Andrew. What problem does he have to solve? Donkey, okay,
2: he's got his armor. He's got his horse. He's got his lance. His he's lady got love. His, he's got his lady love. He's got his chivalric attitude. He's got a cool name that pays homage to where he comes from. He has all the things that a knight needs, but except he's not a knight. He hasn't actually been knighted or made made into a knight.
1: He's not been given yeah.
2: a boon. He's not been given a boon. He has no like symbol like painted on his shield or his armor or whatever. And yeah. and he, as he knows from the books, if you are going to go and like challenge other knights and go and do cool stuff, you do need to be a knight first. That's true. That's true. And so he's like, all right, I got to find some trouble that I can get into so I can become a
1: knight after yes. this. Yes. Please. I did appreciate this little note um, from Cervantes where he's like, some authors say his first adventure was the one in Puerto Lapis, and others claim it was the windmills. But according to what I have been able to determine with regard to the matter, and he goes on from there to say that this adventure where uh, Quixote you know, rolls up to this inn and demands to be made at night is the first. I like the the metatextual Cervantes being like, listen, I've done the research. Mm-hmm. I've actually found the beginning of Quixote.
2: Scott, there are, two, there are many schools of thought on <laughs> the first of Don Quixote's <laughs> missions.
1: I noted just before that passage, Andrew, I noted a really long purpley florid language section
2: yeah please tell me about it
1: um so what i like about quixote being the one who quotes chivalric writing is it allows cervantes to put it in without actually having to be the author who's saying it so like quixote is around and he will just talk to himself in the language of these novels um who can doubt that in times to come when the true history of my famous deeds comes to light, the wise man who compiles them when he begins to recount my first Sally so early in the day will write in this manner. No sooner had Robicund Apollo spread over the face of the wide and spacious earth, the golden strands of his beauteous hair. No sooner had diminutive and bright-hued birds with dulcet <laughs> tongues greeted in sweet mellifluous harmony the advent of Rosy Dawn, who, forsaking the soft couch of her zealous concert revealed herself to mortals through the doors and balconies of the manchegan horizon then the famous knight don quixote of la mancha like it's so good
2: it's so good but if you boil that down it's like the sun came up and don quixote <laughs> rode <Yeah>. away <laughs> but it t- it takes so long to say any of that uh-huh. and that is the specific kind of book and this is what Grossman talked about in her translator's note. This is the kind of book that Cervantes is taking down. Is yes. This. florid, nothing, trash, well, and it's- which I know nothing about. And so I don't know if he's, like, setting up a straw man that is meant to <laughs> intentionally reflect, like, the worst parts of this genre. Like, I think we've, in our however many hundred episodes, we have done a lot of work to try and... Um, and respect, uh, romance like romance genre. novels, and yeah, genre fiction, and and all kinds of stuff that like the literary establishment has poo pooed. Sure, because that work has value, even if like old ivory tower white guys don't think it has value. But these books, if they're anything like what Cervantes is telling us. Don't seem
1: great to me. Yeah, don't
2: seem like good good reading. Well, and
1: to let me, me let me put something out. Let me stake this claim in episode one. Maybe we'll revisit this later. I th- can't wait to revisit this later. I think <laughs> that this type of like knights code stuff, this chivalric knight stuff, actually glosses over a lot of bad behavior by knights throughout the years, mm-hmm. and maybe also. Uh, prevents proper critique of spanish imperialism maybe so maybe he also doesn't like that part in the same way that right now in in the 21st century here in america we might be having a bit of a reckoning with how many cop shows and like crime genre stuff we have just inundated Hmm. ourselves with that's interesting so i'm just like he's he's punching up i think and using the purple language as a boxing glove a metaphor also, is though, a
2: metaphors. <laughs> oh, it's a good metaphor. Also, guys who want chivalry to be around today, mm. they they are really letting themselves off easy, huh? Yeah. Like back in the day, you had to do all you had to get his armor, and you had to have a horse. And now it's like, oh, I opened a car door for a lady. I'm chivalrous. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh.
2: Do like the emoji hand clap if you don't have a horse. It's not chivalry. <laughs>
1: This is not chivalry. (laughs) So, uh, Don Quixote, he's talking to himself. He rolls up to an inn, Andrew, but he, of course, driven mad by these books he reads. Mm -hmm. What does he see instead? He thinks it's a cool castle. Mm. It's not. He thinks it's a rag
2: castle that's going (laughs) to let him in. Like a dwarf is going to proclaim his entrance from the parapets. Yeah,
1: he sees like two sex workers. And they're like, what is up, dude? And he's like, don't you worry. I am a knight. I will not defile you.
2: My fair maidens. <laughs> and they start just dying laughing at this And he's like, well, you didn't have to laugh at me. Because why would you? Like, what the, what is, <laughs> how could you not laugh at this idiot? Um. And the innkeeper comes out and he, he picks something. He, he. Many people in this book, including the innkeeper here, pick up pretty fast that Don Quixote has a screw or two or three loose. (laughs) Yeah, I actually really like the. the, And try to humor him, you know.
1: I like the um, late in one of the later chapters we'll talk about. There's some folks on the road that he encounters. And I like the fact that, like, when he rolls up as a knight, people are like, I mean, he probably could at least harm me. I do need to figure out. Does have like a lance? Yeah, I need to figure out what he's doing. He cracks a couple
2: skulls in the next chapter. (laughs) Does like he just straight up kills a guy? I think it.
1: When I first read it, I thought he died, and then like the next page, it sounded like maybe he got away, but he could be. dead.
2: I (laughs) don't think you can crack a guy's skull (laughs) in in three or four places. And have him live to tell the tale. It's true. Not in the 1500s. Yeah. So like they didn't know what germs were. Every (laughs) time people had any sickness, they were like, just put a leech on it. It'll be fine.
1: Leeches in his open head. Yeah. Um, Every time Kyoto rolls up to someone, they have to wrestle with the fact that he like looks a little off, but has weapons, and (laughs) and they don't really know. What to do? So you're, yeah, you're right. The innkeeper's like, I think I can handle this guy. I think I know what he needs.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so
2: we move, we move to chapter three, which recounts the amusing manner in which Don Quixote was dubbed a knight. And what happens is Don Quixote's at this inn. He's eating the bad inn food. Yeah. Um. The there's a funny exchange between him and the innkeeper where Don Quixote's like, I don't have any money because the books didn't mention anything about money. And the innkeeper's like, you know, I bet that's because the books thought that it you would just kind of assume that he had money and like clean shirts and stuff. Yeah, it's very like, why doesn't anybody on TV go, go, to, go the, to the bathroom? Yeah, it's like we're all the parts on Twenty Four
1: <laughs> like, where Jack Bauer goes to the bathroom. It's great.
2: <laughs> um, but uh, so he he hangs out at this inn for a while. And he's gonna stay there, and so he takes his armor off—not his helmet, because it is tied on with like green string, so good that nobody can untie the knots. And Don Quixote won't let anybody cut the string, so he just has this stupid homemade kindergarten helmet on to the the point where they
1: have to literally put fish in his mouth for him Mm because he's holding up the visor. It's like a Will Ferrell sketch. God, and um, I? I mean um, that in a good way. But yes, the the innkeeper's playing along. He's like, "Hey, uh, I'll give you your knighthood if you spend the night outside walking around because we don't have a church here." I guess.
2: Yeah, just like guard our guard our inn. Yeah, and so Don Quixote takes his his armor. He is stored in the stables in a trough. And what happens overnight is a couple of a uh, couple of stable hands. Yeah, as the As is, I am sure, their job description, their literal job description, come to water the horses, and they're like, what is all this crap in our trough? I'm going to take it out so I can put water in there for the horses. Uh And Don Quixote is like, you can't touch my armor, you knave. And he smacks them over the back of the head with a lance. Yep. He does serious harm to these two gentlemen, uh-huh. including the second one who we mentioned already, whose skull he cracks
1: in four places. Yep. <laughs> um, and everyone starts throwing <laughs> rocks at him and the innkeeper runs out and he's like, listen, everyone, I will I will fight all of you. And the innkeeper runs out and he's like, listen, guys, um, what does he say? The innkeeper shouted at them to stop because he had already told them he was crazy and that being crazy, he would be absolved even if he killed them all.
2: Yeah, and so the innkeeper wanting to spare himself this trouble is like, "Listen, man, listen. I, I'm telling you, as the the proprietor of this castle, yeah, that if you guard your armor for like two hours, that's enough to become a knight, and you've done it for four, so you're doing great." So he <laughs> basically <laughs> makes him a fake knight and kicks him out because he has hurt a couple of his employees uh-huh. and caused a major ruckus. Yes. Woof, and that's pretty much chapter three. That's how Don Quixote becomes a knight, is he seriously harms some people and then annoys somebody until that person tells him that he's a knight.
1: Yes, and we are are having (laughs) fun at the, like, you know, the book is certainly treating the madness as a goof, and it was written with that in mind. I don't know that the book stands up to a strict scrutiny of, like, modern understandings of mental health though there's a lot of apparently like 20th century freudian critique of this book which don't i don't even know what to do with that stuff i've
2: gotta you know, there's that onion piece from a long time ago <laughs> that's like feminist like turns her brain off so she can just enjoy a reality yeah, tv show i think there's this, some of
1: that that yeah. we need to wrestle with um, yeah because i don't i don't know
2: that we need even need to wrestle with yeah it. just true. like Assume that that is the mode that we're we are operating in because the, this is a made up guy yeah. with what is what would certainly not map cleanly to any established. No, that's a good point. Uh, mental
1: disorder. The, the biggest, I think the the thing that Cervantes is engaging with is like this guy can't tell reality from fiction.
2: Yes, yeah, yeah.
1: And he is <clears throat> he is incredibly good at and eager to impose fiction on the world around him. Mm -hmm. uh to the detriment of everyone and himself um chapter four concerning what happened to our night when he left the inn
2: yeah tell me tell me about the adventure of our night when he left the inn i feel like i've been doing all the fun chapter summaries
1: um so he is very excited he's so pumped i don't think he slept a wink and he's but he's gonna go home he's gonna get money and shirts (laughs) <laughs> and it, having been informed that these things are important yes and he hadn't gone very far um when he hears like crying like someone in pain in the woods and he's like dang i just became a knight what a coincidence lucky yeah <laughs> i get to go do a knight thing and he rolls into the woods um with his tired old horse rosinante and he sees a guy oh, rosinante a boy of 15 tied to a tree getting whipped by a peasant who is his boss. And the boy's name is Andres. I don't remember if we learned the boss's name. Mm-hmm. Um, and the... Andres has... He's like a sheep herder. Or a shepherd is probably the word you might be familiar <laughs> with. Um, he is a shepherd for the peasant. And apparently every once in a while he loses a sheep. And the peasant's mad about it. So he's beating the crap out of the guy who works for him. Which sucks. And god is like well why are you fighting that man whom you're not allowing to like raise arms back at you like this is not a fair fight this is not honorable unite
2: mm-hmm. no so concerned with honor this guy
1: yeah well he is he is he regularly assumes that people who are not knights are knights and so he's like well this is bad you shouldn't do this um and both of them are like, wow, this is a real knight who could who could hurt us, so we do need to he, deal with yeah, this. Yeah, like
2: regardless of whether he's a knight or not, he is a guy who showed up with a lance.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, and Don Quixote is like, Okay, well, what does he owe you? Why is he you know, he gets to the bottom of the of the disagreement here, and this is the thing you alluded to earlier, Andrew, the seventy three reals where he's like, Oh, you did this labor, you should get paid for it. And the guy's like, yeah, I but, mean, I I do agree for that with that.
2: Yeah, there is a part even where if, even if the math is not strictly
1: correct, like you got to get paid. Well, so we will get to that in a second, because the the peasant is like, yeah, but I he did like take some of my shoes or something and I beat him up. And Don Quixote is like, yeah, OK, but you then beat him up. So we do need you do need to pay this man um, and you need to uh, do you have the money on you? And he's like, no, I don't really have the money um and he's like okay go back to your house get mm-hmm. the money and pay mm-hmm. this guy
2: mm-hmm.
1: and the the peasant's like that's a great deal because he's clearly never going to do it and <laughs> yeah. uh the and andres is like this is not a good deal because he's never going to do clearly
2: it he's never going to do it yeah,
1: and right. Cervantes says workers rights because andres says but what deeds is this master of mine the son of if he denies me my wages and my sweat and my labor Mm -hmm. and is a man not entitled (laughs) to the sweat of his brow and it kind of boils up to uh or boils down to rather quixote being like all right cool so you guys are gonna figure this out bye (laughs) i'm glad i could help see ya see ya and we like (laughs) we kind of bun up on them with uh the peasant the the farmer being like listen andres you can go track down that knight to try and make him enforce this debt, but first I'm going to make the debt worse and like beat him up some more.
2: Yeah. And then just I mean, release him. I don't him. know. Maybe we revisit these, these two. Yeah, at maybe some we'll point, come back. It's yeah, very possible. But uh, yeah, it doesn't seem like. Don Quixote did any net good in this situation?
1: No. This this is a situation the in stuff I don't think we really saw. We saw him cause bodily harm to people who didn't deserve it. But this is one where like the chivalric code applied to people assuming that other people are following it can lead to bad things. Like that the the farmer takes advantage of Quixote assuming that he is also a knight and that he will like honor his word um so
2: really i mean this is a real i i some chuck schumer (laughs) nonsense is what this
1: is
2: (laughs) i am on that note i am worried about don quixote's
1: follow-through i think he's gonna
2: start a bunch of stuff that he cannot finish i
1: uh yeah correct i'm worried for him and worried for the people who (laughs) encounter him Um, Before this chapter closes out, Andrew, he comes to a literal crossroads. And what does he he discover? And he
2: just, he spent, well, first he spends a lot of time (laughs) standing at the crossroads to decide what direction he's going to go. Because that's the way that, you know, you come to a fork in a road in a story, you're going to spend a lot of time weighing which direction you go and how different it could be. Yeah. Ultimately, he lets the horse decide and the horse is like, let's go home. (laughs) (laughs) But he runs into a caravan of guys and... Like silk traders or something. Yeah, Yeah. and and two of the guys who are like sort of guarding this caravan basically call his bluff and he charges them and Rocinante trips because he's a bad horse. Yeah. And then uh, Don Quixote's on the ground, can't get up because he has all this stupid armor on. And then the two guys beat him with his own lance until it is broken and useless, and then they ride off.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and the reason he charges them, which I'm glad that we get this in this chapter because we haven't seen it in earlier. Chapters. Remember, he did make up a lady love. Mm-hmm. He wanders up to these dudes and he's like, hey, my lady love is gorgeous, right? Just Could you just swear that the lady I'm in love with is pretty? And they're like, well, we've never seen her, so could you, hey, man you with a show, lance, could you, you like, could you, show us? Show us? And he goes, no, because then you wouldn't be swearing in the way I want you to. <laughs> <laughs> and the one guy's like, just show us a photo, and we will say that she's pretty, even if she's ugly. And he's like, she's not ugly. And that's when he charges, and the horse falls down. Oh, boy. So. And it, Yeah, and while they're beating the crap out of him, he keeps running his mouth. Cervantes is very clear to tell us that he's still running his mouth. (laughs) He doesn't tell
2: us what he says, just that he does keep continuing in this vein. (laughs)
1: Uh, Yeah, and so we'll pick up next time with him on the road. I don't imagine that these chapters are going to have a lot of time skips that aren't explained. I feel like we will, in chapter five learn exactly how he got up off chapter the rope. five
2: in which the account of our knight's misfortune continues oh
1: great okay cool so, wonderful it's just a
2: little teaser for next time
1: yeah um you know my closing thoughts on this opening sally of chapters andrew is like i'm interested to know who the joke is on in each little vignette here a lot of times it's on quixote of course but sometimes it seems like maybe it's going to be on other people. It hasn't always yet been except those guys who got killed for just doing their job. <laughs> the but we but we do that.
2: have we do have just enough remove from Quixote that we do like we know that the inn is not a castle. We we Yeah. know sort of the befuddlement of the people who he runs into.
1: I guess I'm really um, interested to know this is a long book. We're gonna be it's doing really this long show f- for a while.
2: I've got to imagine that there are at least a couple instances where Don Quixote actually does something yeah. good, but maybe by accident or like, ooh,
1: some Inspector Gadget stuff. Yeah, like we'll we'll, we'll figure it out. But I, just, I think
2: if you you can't do just like a hundred percent failure. Right? No, I mean maybe, it, maybe maybe you can.
1: But <laughs> but what I don't know that you can do is. You know, hundreds of pages of he went to this place, he thought it was this place. Like that, it feels like it. He has to be either incredibly creative, Cervantes, to come up with new versions of that, or Sancho Panza is going to like introduce some extra stuff. We're going to meet Dulcinea at some point, or whoever he claims is Dulcinea. I know that there is a woman who he declares to be Dulcinea at some point. <sighs> yeah. um, but. Yeah, and then I'm just in general struck by, like, this book was published in the early 1600s and it's doing the this is the history of literature about literature about history thing in a way that, like, predates a lot of the epistolary novels. and Remember all those novels we've read from, like, the 17th and 18th century that start out with someone being like, here's the letters of the true account of this incredibly made-up my, thing?
2: My <laughs> dearest brother, here is how... I made a monster who killed everybody. Yes,
1: and those are the parts of- (laughs)
2: Here's how I took a potion that turned me into a (laughs) strange evil man. And
1: And every time we've gone back to those books, I've always been struck by like, that's a really interesting convention that every adaptation a hundred years hence has completely dropped. Like it was just a convention (laughs) of how novels had to be. And so to even have this one start out with like, Here's a bunch of fake poems that I wrote and I'm very aware that this man thinks he's in a book that he's not in I don't know I'm excited I mean, to
2: Cervantes does early on tell us that this is this is all this is an incredible true story
1: mm. um this, mm. this is
2: in like the first paragraph of chapter one but this does but this does not matter very much to our story in its telling there is absolutely no deviation from the truth oh so there is still an element of yeah. This is listen. This really happened <laughs> that I think you were alluding to just now in your epistolary thing. Yeah,
1: that's which is fun. I'm excited yeah, to, yeah, yeah. to see where that goes. Cause I mean, I
2: bet nowhere good.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, and, see. I guess. <laughs> well, and and I'm interested to see the interplay between his madness and other characters. Because how does how can that even work?
2: What if he runs into another? Knight who is driven mad by chivalric novels. Like, how does Ooh. that go
1: down?
2: We, we're gonna keep trying. We might end up writing some Don Quixote fan fiction at the end of this.
0: <laughs>
1: we'll see. We'll see. I don't know. What is this book except Don Quixote fan fiction? Anyway, uh, Andrew, you know what we say at the end of every episode of Jagged Little Mill kill all windmills. <laughs>
0: See the man who tips the needle, see the man who buys and sells, see the man who puts
1: the car... Yeah, so this is our second episode. We're going to be covering chapters 5 through 14 of the Edith Grossman translation of Miguel de Cervantes' Don Quixote. Uh, and... <laughs> <Could> you- <laughs> I'm in a good mood. I'm excited to talk about oh, our knight errant friend. Mm-hmm. Um, and his many misadventures, let's say. He gets
2: up to some stuff this yeah. time. I, okay, so d- you said you wanted to do the last time on. So previously on Don Quixote, Man of La Mancha, what
1: happened? Uh, Miguel de Cervantes wrote an intro where he said, I want this book to be great, and it took me forever to write this preface. I did have to ask a friend for help. Uh, then there were some poems that were, I think, all made up about Don Quixote
0: or and, some, horse and, and, all the, horse. and all the
1: people he met yeah and we're we're kind of aping the style of the chivalric romance adventure novels okay then we meet cervantes hates he hates it. yeah he really does and he set he out it. to write one himself
2: he hates it so bad that he sat down and wrote this whole book
1: about it. i love Stay it mad cervantes <laughs> Uh, Kyote is a raggedy armor man who loves chivalric stories and kind of lives in another reality where everything is from those books. He has read so
2: many of the books that it has, in fact, driven him mad.
1: Yeah, it is the 90s this crap will will rot your brain like energy just taken. 1590s. And he has set off on an adventure to become a knight errant. He has invented a lady love Dulcinea. He renamed his horse Um, and he goes to an inn to get a boon from some guy so that he could be a knight in the first Mm -hmm. place. Mm -hmm. Um, That's where we really first see the difference between reality and what Quixote sees where all the people are like, This guy sucks, and Cody's like, I'll protect you. Um, and he gets in some kind of Bugs Bunny-esque fights, and they give him a boon, quote unquote, to make him go away. Because he like straight up almost murders a couple <laughs> of people who work at the inn. He is a public menace, which we'll get to. Um and he so He does
2: do like kind of by accident something good in this in yeah. this run, but I feel like it might be a broken clock situation i'm not sure how often this is gonna happen <laughs>
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: Um, and then he heads back home he's told like hey knights gotta have like money on them and supply so you gotta go home you gotta get yourself right before you head back out and along the way he has some adventures but most importantly he encounters some people at a crossroads just declares them to be enemies of his that he needs to defeat or or surrender to him um don quixote is like a speaker at CPAC
2: in that he sees enemies all around him that don't exist
1: (laughs) yeah he's a little political he tries to get those guys to to like swear that his girlfriend that he's made up is more beautiful than anything they've ever heard of and they won't and so he tries to beat them up and they beat him up and so last time we saw him he was laying on the ground in his big heavy armor totally beaten up and what was gonna happen so what happens As we open up chapter uh, five, I guess. Chapter five, not chapter four. So Don Quixote goes back
2: home and some of his friends and acquaintances have gathered at his home and are talking about how they're kind of worried about him because (laughs) he is acting out and he has disappeared. And so he comes back. He's like wounded They get him to eat something. They get him to go to sleep. And I think it's the housekeeper starts talking about how he read all these chivalric books and went nuts because of it.
1: Yeah. and uh, His neighbor had had helped him get home and was like, wow, this guy's talking nonsense. His friends, the barber and the priest, are there. mm Mm-hmm.
2: And they, I I think, probably just participated in some kind of joke construction and then went to Don Quixote's house after. (laughs) Like they walked into a bar and something funny happened and now they're here at our at our buds house.
1: Yes. And they are. They too have been concerned. And yes, I think you're right. The housekeeper is like, yo, he's got all these crazy books and he's kind of lost it and we don't know what to do. And their answer is, well, let's burn the books. Let's burn all the books. And so
2: what follows is a long passage that I think I would probably get more out of if I had been a contemporary reader. There are a lot of footnotes explaining uh, who. So they they go bu- like book by book and author by author through a lot of these and spare a couple of them and burn most of them. And it is mostly, I think, Cervantes just kind of ripping on everybody, like either just directly ripping on them or like ironically praising them. Um There is one uh, Miguel de Cervantes book that they find in this library that and the priest is like this this guy is a great friend of mine. This book is pretty good. Part two is coming soon. (laughs) Watch out for it. Hit the subscribe button. Yes. And you'll get part two when it comes out. <laughs> yes. But they they throw all these books out in the yard and they burn them and then they wall the library up. So it's like it never existed. <laughs> so mm-hmm. he can't go back in there.
1: And so nobody else can fall prey to what he has fallen prey to. Their plan is to gaslight him. Um, the, the, the note about that whole chapter, I think it's chapter six, that is just all of them going through these books uh, with their own little reenactment of Fahrenheit 451, I guess. Um, the thing that strikes me, and I think is supposed to be the primary joke of this passage, is that the priest is the one leading the charge. He is John Lithgow from Footloose. He is burning books. He is. He knows all of the books very well. Yeah. He, mm-hmm. The priest, it's a little suspicious, honestly. Uh-huh. It, the priest is out here being like, I know this one. It's scandalous. We should burn it. And no one is like, listen, sir, if you are so offended by the... Why do you know about them? Hmm?" It's just important to know. It's important to know everything. Yeah,
2: which actually is like... (laughs) There's another... I don't know what this book's relationship with priests is going to be, but there is... uh, they're talking about a priest in a small village later on, and the quote is: "A priest must be better than good if his parishioners have to speak well of him, especially in a village."
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> the point being that maybe pre- maybe priests get uh, made fun of a little bit <laughs> behind
1: their backs. <laughs> yeah. So what what survives this burning are like some individual chivalric books that and some like- of
2: the like. The like early quote good examples of the genre like before all the imitators came mm, out and just yes. ruined it I guess is the is the implication
1: the the quote that stood out to me is when the barber says uh, no I've also heard that this is the best of all the books of this kind ever written and as a unique example of the art it should be pardoned and so they they use that as like a standard where like we'll get we'll get rid of the derivative trash but mm-hmm. we do need like a functioning. But we do museum. need to build a cannon here that we can. <laughs> yeah. Uh so then Kyoto wakes up. He's immediately like, Gimme my sword. I'm just gonna start hacking and slashing my bedroom. Uh huh. He tries to go to the library and is like, Wow, there's no hmm, there used to be a door here. But now it's just a wall. I don't know what Strange. happened. Strange. And I think his housekeeper fast contractor that they got to come out to do this work. Uh-huh. Uh and his his housekeeper is like, oh yeah. So a wizard <laughs> like walled it up so that and like made it so that all your books are gone. And Sorry. You, you can't get them. Mm-hmm. And he's immediately like, That sounds right. That's exactly what probably happened. Um, uh, yeah,
2: she's putting it in terms that his his uh knight errant chivalric book addled brain can understand i guess
1: yeah um So, the niece of the housekeeper says, It wasn't a devil, but an enchanter who came on a cloud one night after the day your grace left here. He dismounted from the serpent he was riding and entered the library. And I don't know what he did inside, but after a little while, he flew up through the roof and left the house full of smoke. And when he had the presence of mind to see what he'd done, we could find no books and no library. The only thing the housekeeper and I remember very clearly is that as the evil old man was leaving, he shouted that because of the secret enmity he felt for the owner of the books and the room, he had done damage on the house which we would see soon enough he was called munyatone the wise do i think we hear about a little bit li- so this becomes like a character in quixote's well
2: and he's and don quixote's like oh do you mean this other name Fres- freston yes <laughs> frestone and the housekeeper's like i don't know i guess and don quixote's like okay checks out Yes, he's a wise enchanter, a great enemy of mine, who bears me a grudge because he knows through his arts and learning that I shall, in time, come to do battle in single combat with a knight whom he favors and whom I am bound to vanquish, and he will not be able to stop it. And for this reason, he attempts to call me. All, he attempts to cause me all the difficulties he can. <laughs> Makes it sense. Rules. I don't
1: know where that where that even comes from. I know it. He's he's really good at yes and as long as you're playing in his space. Right. Yeah. If you try to tell him that something's a windmill... Tell,
2: yeah, like, or like those are those are like priests, you shouldn't beat them up. Then like, he's not really into that.
1: If anything, he'll say, ah, but they're priests, they're, they're wizards pretending to be priests, so I must beat them up.
2: It's, it's a thing that we're trying to do with our baby son, mm. our 19-month-old baby, where you can tell him where you're supposed to not try just to say no you're supposed to like redirect his attention positively yes. to something else and so mm-hmm. that's what you have to do with Don Quixote, who's like a little baby <laughs> he's baby
1: uh and the niece is like hey wouldn't it be better if you just like didn't get in a fight with a wizard and like you just stayed home and like just hung out and he's like no that wouldn't be cool i have to I'm um, and he spends like two weeks at home just like hanging out but he does feel the need to get back out there so in the middle of the night he recruits his neighbor S- sancho, panza? San- sancho panza sancho panza Sancho um and is like hey Maybe if you, you've heard of him if you come with me i'm gonna give you an insula or an island uh and i'm gonna make you governor of that island so you want to leave your family and not tell them where you're going?
2: <laughs> and with yeah. Me? And Sancho, who is not addled by Chivalric books, but who is not depicted as especially bright is like, boy, that sounds good to me. I would like to be governor of an Island. Yeah. And so he goes.
1: Yeah. He's, and
2: he's Don Quixote's squire now. Yeah.
1: He's clearly, you know, not a man of means, very excited to move up in the world. Uh, but not excited to explain any of that to anybody who might he might be providing for.
2: Yeah, yeah it's not important.
1: Uh He rides a donkey. Don Quixote is like, mm, should a squire have a donkey? I don't know. Best move on. Can't think about that we'll too get much. Him
2: a, we'll give him a horse. Like first horse, I'd take from an from a bandit or an enemy or something. We'll give it to Sancho.
1: Yes, and and Sancho Panza is like, hey man. Please do not forget to give me an island because I will know what to do with it. And Don Quixote, I liked this part where he was like, listen, man, I'm going to be so good that, like, you might not even get just an island. Like, sometimes if knight errands were so good, like, you give the title of a count, You could be a marquise. uh, Maybe I'll win a kingdom. And then there will be other kingdoms that you could be king of. Like... Do not think this is any great thing for events and eventualities befall knights in ways never seen or imagined, and I might well be able to give you even more than I have promised. <laughs> <laughs> and Sancho Panza's like, "Dang, if if I become a king, then my wife's gonna be a queen." And Donkeyo's like, "Yeah," and he's like, "I don't know if she'd make a good queen." <laughs> 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 and just like, "Don't don't let that stop you from being
2: a king, bud." <laughs> I think okay. I was hoping for more from Sancho Panza, but he just kind of wants an island. He doesn't tell his family he's going anywhere. He drinks a lot, like he does. a lot. He does. Uh, it's it's all fine. we we'll, was we'll su- get to know Sancho a little bit.
1: Then, yeah, I, I was surprised that his introduction was so quick, and that's something we've encountered with a lot of these books, especially these like bigger long reads, where it's like, oh, that thing that. L- that is like lodged in my brain as important to that book happens very quickly and skirts by, like.
2: Well, and then so so to to get to the next part, that's like that we do get to the windmills like really early. Like, yes, I
0: thought right away.
2: <laughs> this is like the main thing that anybody can tell you about this book is the windmills. Uh huh. And he thinks the windmills are giants. They are not. They are windmills. And when he goes to charge at the giants. Uh, he gets hung up on one of the like the sails, like the windmills, you know, the milly parts mm-hmm. and he and his horse get dumped back on the ground and they almost die.
1: Yes. And, and that's the event. That's the adventure. <laughs> yeah. It's like two pages. <laughs> and Sancho Panza's like, hey, wasn't I right? There were windmills and Quixote always looking for an opportunity to to wrestle this back into his, you know, D campaign that he's running was like well uh i mean yes they're windmills but clearly freston the wise is involved <laughs> and just as i was about to kill his giants he turned them into windmills to mess with me this mm-hmm. will not stand <laughs> he is constantly gaslighting sancho panza the thing for me and i guess this this, this does take a minor turn in the, in one of the next encounters um is like Sancho is like, man, this guy's going to give me an island. And the first thing that happens is this dude runs at a windmill, gets shellacked by a windmill, and is like, no, a wizard did it. It was a wizard. Don't worry about it. It was a wizard. Yeah, this guy's totally going to give you an island, Sancho.
2: <laughs> so the next, like, they, they run into some more people on the road. This is not dissimilar from the, the episode we talked about last time. He runs into some people... On the road, they are just people. It's like a couple of women and like a separate, unrelated party that's just going the same way on the road as them for a while. Mm-hmm. He gets into a big fight with one of them, um, and this is where we we get a weird like break in the story between book one and book two. And book two, instead of picking right back up into uh, into the rest of the story, like the first part of the book is all about how the author of the book was worried that he was not going to be able to complete the story. But then he was like at some market and he found like an Arabic translation of the rest of the book. And he paid somebody some like raisins and wheat to translate the the rest of the book. And so that's why you are reading the story that you're reading now is like, I have found the rest of the tales of Don Quixote and you're just going to, you're going to read this. Now. Yes it's there's there's a little more to it than that but like yeah and he he goes out of his way to like point out that the whoever recorded these probably wouldn't have been particularly like f- friendly to someone from Spain
1: <laughs> yeah he's a little he's kind of bummed that this is not an an OG spanish edition of this legend mm-hmm. um because he it's it is now the edition by Sid Hemet Beningelli. uh or a Benengeli, um which he's uh, made up and i think that that person comes back as an author in part two the, the thing that he harps on for a long time before cervantes is like oh and then i was at this cool market where i found it was he's like it boggled my mind that no one had written all this stuff down this guy seemed so cool uh-huh. this, it was so dope and he it's both yeah he beat up some priests and then a, a guy for a, a Basque a guy from Basque like was like, Oh, I'll fight you and just as they were about to clash swords the story ended and Cervantes couldn't handle it. Yeah. And just couldn't believe that such a great knight would not have would not have his the the guy who writes the Witcher song for the Witcher, like he doesn't have one of those yet. Right. But then but then it is all it also functions as this in
2: universe reason why Don Quixote might look like an idiot sometimes is because this non oh, writer is the person who's recorded his deeds. I hadn't thought about that. Yeah, I don't know if that's how we're supposed to read it, but that's what I came away Ooh, from it. Ooh, I yeah.
1: I like that. That's fun. Mm-hmm. Um Yeah, okay.
2: So we pick back up in the fight with this Basque. Don Quixote once again gets his butt completely kicked and like half his ear cut off.
1: Yeah, the the what's kind of fun is that the so Sancho Panza can't help him a because uh, Don Quixote was like, if I'm in noble combat, you're not allowed to intervene.
2: Yeah, you're not um, a knight, bud.
1: Yeah. Uh, also, the servants of the priests that Don Quixote almost killed are beating up <laughs> Sancho Panza. <laughs> Meanwhile. Yeah, uh, the bat. What I liked is that, like, even in the combat with the Basque, like, they both have swords, but the Basque wasn't planning on fighting a knight, so like the best shield that he can get is a pillow from the cart. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, there's like there's a line. Well,
2: Don Quixote he, he, broke his lance charging at the windmills, and so he is got like a tree branch mounted on the the like handle of the lance that he used to have and that's his weapon now. So we're all we're really diving down into play pretend for this yes. fight.
1: Um he does end up winning. There's like a stroke of fortune um and he does end up beating up the Basque and then convincing the people that he was traveling with to be to quote unquote surrender and like take this man to where Dulcinea is from and like pledge that they respect her <laughs> like mm-hmm. I beat you up go to where my girlfriend lives and say that I'm sick like that okay sure they're like okay fine Great.
2: like a lot of a lot of people are the humor Don Quixote to make him leave them alone because <laughs> oh, <laughs> he's terrifying yeah he is really a scary man <laughs> um Um, so yeah so they uh they depart here the next the next big thing that happens is like don quixote's hurt uh he tells sancho panza like i'm gonna tell you how to make this really really good like medicine (laughs) to fix my my ear make my boo-boo juice for me that i'll drink (laughs)
0: don't call it boo-boo juice
2: (laughs) while they're on the quest to find the ingredients to make the boo-boo juice. And Sancho Panza's like, man, even if I don't get an island, if I know how to make this boo-boo juice, I'm going to be sitting
1: pretty. Yeah, he's like, oh my God, I'm going to turn this into a whole business. He's Come on. Always
2: like, what's in it for Sancho? <laughs> but he doesn't ever, like, he doesn't stop to think about the reliability of the person who is supposed to be giving him these great riches in this land and stuff. Yeah. So they meet some like goat herds and Mm -hmm. they sit and they eat some food with them and they hear this fantastic tale about this guy. What's the guy's name?
1: Oh, well, but we're going to learn about Gristosimo. Yeah. Um, but first, Don Quixote talks for like three pages about how good things used to be in a reality that he never lived in. Mm Mm-hmm. Cool, just vibing.
2: Yeah, he does have to explain the concept, like the whole concept of knights errant to these people. And he's he's... like, remember, like King Arthur? Maybe you know him. (laughs) Maybe
0: you've heard of him. He started the round table.
2: And then, and like when he comes back to life, because he's a crow now, when he comes back to life, all the knights. Are going to be rewarded for their like loyalty and their goodness, and I'm one of those knights. I've decided.
1: And he's like, the world is bad now, so it needs mm-hmm. knights, and that's that's my deal. I'm the mm-hmm. Batman. Um, a guy shows up, sings a song. There's a guy. There's always a guy singing a song. Guy shows up, sings a song. Then you're right. We start to hear the tale of Gristosimo, um, who has died, and he's died. he was a rich university student who. <laughs> um decided he didn't really want to be rich. He read too many pastoral poems and got <laughs> got it in his head that he was going to he's just going to live that bell and sebastian life um and just feel feelings all the time. And the best way to do that is to go out into the woods dressed as a shepherd and ogle lady <laughs> I guess. Specifically, one specifically, woman,
2: specifically Marcella. Marcella, who is so beautiful, and everybody thinks she's so beautiful. Yes, but and she doesn't want to really get married to anybody. And her dad is like, "Okay, well, that's you know, that's your choice to make." So good, good on you, Marcella's dad, I guess. Uh, but so Marcella is also like kind of wandering the the wilderness and being like a like married to the land, I guess. <laughs> And Gristosimo dies of a broken heart. Of a broken heart. And all of Gristosimo's friends like blame Marcella for this. And so there's this big funeral for a funeral for Gristosimo. Yes. <laughs>
1: and everybody's there. Another poem is read. Um They invite and, they invite Don Quixote to come. He's very yeah. interested in this story. On the way there's Don Quixote a, a, it kind of
2: fades from this for, for, yes. for a couple of chapters because yes. he's just kind of the vessel through
1: which we're hearing this this tale. There's a back and forth between him and this guy named Vivaldo about, like... I think Vivaldo? Vivaldo? <laughs> I think he might be a priest, or he's a religious guy anyway, and he's like, I don't like how knights errant always swear to their ladies before they fight. Why don't they pledge themselves to God? What's up with that? And Don Quixote's like, well, they... It's one, it's tradition, so
2: you <laughs> can't tell me it. not to do it. And two, as soon as I'm done praising my lady, I'm going to get around to praising God. Yeah. And then the, and then Vivaldo is like, well, you're doing this while you're charging to your death. And what if you don't have time to get to, to praising God?
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I think
2: that's mostly the end of the, the exchange. Like They just have this weird disagreement about the place of, of God
1: relative to your lady love. And keep in mind, this is like a girlfriend who lives in Canada. Like, he does, he has never met she's, this woman. Yeah, she's made up. She's entirely made up. So he's not even basing... She's his aunt who works at Nintendo. <laughs> he's basing this whole argument on a thing that doesn't exist. Okay. Um, yes, we hear Gristosimo's song, which is just a sick tune about someone not loving you back. Yeah. Like, oh, I'm
2: Gristosimo. I got friend zoned and then I died about it. (laughs) And Marcella shows up to this funeral and Marcella is like, listen, this is stupid. This isn't my fault. (laughs) Uh, you must consider that I did not choose the beauty I have and such as it is heaven gave it to me freely without my requesting or choosing it. And just as the Viper does not deserve to be blamed for its venom, although it kills since it was given the venom by nature, I do not deserve to be reproved for being beautiful for beauty in the chaste woman is like a distant fire or a sharp edged sword. They do not burn or cut the person who does not approach them. Uh, if desires feed on hopes and since I've given no hope to Gristosimo, uh, who, or to any other man regarding those desires, it is correct to say that his obstinacy, not my cruelty, is what killed him. Mm. This isn't my fault. I'm going to, like, bye. I'm going to leave you alone. Don't follow me. I'm not interested.
1: <laughs> yeah. Marcella, uh, the vibe I got from her, this is just my own brain, it reminded me of, Andrew, if you recall from the giant novel Infinite Jest, Uh, Mm -hmm. Joelle Van Dyne, the woman who's like so pretty that she has to wear the veil that because she's so pretty, it might as well be like disfiguring to her life. Yes, it had the way they talk about Marcella reminded me of the way that all those characters talk about her, where they're just like, Yeah, a little bit. We are driven to altering our very beings to you know take her in to attempt to persuade her to love us. And she is completely beset by it, and it is not anything that she chose, and she completely resents that their love of these love stories has constructed the reality in which she is forced to live. Yes. she It's like an antidote to the Don Quixote syndrome that Christosimo was living in, I think. Mm-hmm. It's like someone being like, I don't want to be the dragon that you're fighting, you idiot. You're not, <laughs> none of this is real um but i was surprised to see that don quixote is like okay did everyone hear the lady she's going into the
2: woods marcella says her piece and then um she goes to she turns to go back into the woods and some of the guys at this funeral start like getting up to follow her yeah because she is so beautiful and uh yeah, seeing this, Don Quixote thought it was an appropriate time to put his chivalry into practice by coming to the aid of a maiden in distress, and he placed his hand on the hilt of his sword, and in a loud, clear voice he said, Let no person, whatever his circumstance or condition, dare to follow the beautiful Marcella lest he fall victim to my fury and outrage. She has shown with clear and sufficient reasons that she bears little or no blame in the death of Grisostomo, and she has also shown how far she is from acquiescing to the desires of any who love her. And therefore it is just that rather than being followed and persecuted, she should be honored and esteemed by all good people in the world. For she has shown herself to be the only woman in it who lives with so virtuous a desire. And it's like the one time where Don Quixote reads the room and gets it right so far. Yeah. Like and he I... saw a lady who didn't <laughs> want to be followed. And he's like, don't follow the lady. He didn't see like a merchant. And decide that he was a monster and try to beat him up with a stick that he got out of a tree.
1: Now, Andrew, on the next page, he does resolve to follow the lady who said she should be followed. Not out of love, but out of a desire to to be useful
2: yes and who who is to say how this is gonna go probably bad but at least for a minute it does look like don quixote is gonna do the right thing here
1: yes and so they decide not to follow her uh they put him in the they put christosimo on the ground and they put a they put a big heavy gravestone on his grave um with just like they had really planned imagine if you're Marcella and this is what is on the dude's grave, here lies the sad, cold body of a lover, a shepherd destroyed by an icy heart. The pitiless hand of cruel beauty killed him, extending the power of love's tyranny. That would suck.
0: Yeah, that would
2: suck. I mean, so Marcella said her piece, but they I guess they already had the stone the narrative and it's expensive to like get that altered so we're just going to use the the bad misogynist stone that we already Mm -hmm. had
1: yes um and so yeah then it ends with uh sancho and don quixote going off into the woods um it closes but matters did not turn out as he expected as is recounted in the course of this true history the second part of which concludes here which is hmm. that, that's so, everything from end, end of book two yes. yeah that's everything from the mid-fight pause to marcella here mm-hmm. um yeah this was a fun little bit of stuff i was expecting
2: the windmills to come way later <laughs> and to be a bigger deal i guess <laughs> Maybe Maybe that's just as far as most people got in Don Quixote. It's (laughs) very possible.
1: After that. It's very possible.
2: It's also, I guess, easier to relay though, than all the stuff about Marcella. Like you can talk about the windmill thing in like 20 seconds. And the Marcella thing requires more discussion.
1: Even the, even the sections where he fights people and tries to cast them as characters, needs a little more explanation where like this is just like he thought some windmills weren't windmills and then he got like hurt by it like that's a very succinct oh that's what Don Quixote is about
2: when we've already seen him get mad because he thought a guy was a bad guy when he was just a regular guy like it's a little <laughs> less distinctive than those windmills are giants And yes. I need
1: to kick their butts something I'm in I enjoyed about this passage is it started to take on the rhythm of like a Saturday morning cartoon to me, like just the narrative beats of like, hey, we roll into this like group of people, a problem happens, we find ourselves on the other side and we end up somewhere else. Like that was Mm -hmm. kind of comforting. It may mean that like, I don't know if you're feeling this way, but I'm wondering how samey any of these will feel. Um, given that it is a long story where I imagine this stuff happens <laughs> a bunch. Like how distinct yeah. can some of these encounters be? Um, yeah, and there's
2: a there's a lot left to go.
1: Yeah. Um, and I think some of the value that maybe uh, folks have found in it over the years and maybe we will start to develop more muscles for is like, remember when that guy showed up to talk about Christosmo being dead and Don Quixote just kept being like, you're saying words wrong. Like for two pages, <laughs> was pretty good. he was like, he was like, "Do you mean Methuselah?" Because you just said mouth sores, and the guy's like, "No, I'm actually talking about mouth sores now." Well, the other the time first, the first of these is is the guy
2: says eclipse when he means <laughs> eclipse. Yeah, Which I'm not sure how like how that translated, like how directly that is translated, because wordplay is often a thing that does not work in translations but Grossman Ooh. got something across. Yes. Yes. Um, there's actually a little a passage in here. I I think it might have been when they were doing the uh the book burning stuff mm-hmm. where they talk about how tr- translations are sort of pointless because you you can never like translate the original intent or like the original poetry of the words into another language like it just it loses something and I thought that must have been a weird passage to have to translate.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Oh, because it's like a it's like some French story or, or something where they're like, yes, this isn't the original version of the story. We can just burn it. Yes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <I'm> just, yeah. <laughs> the <didn't> Neat. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Next time uh, we're going to be reading chapters 15 through 21. Which I believe Don, Don Quixote is going to wind up at an inn and get up to some more shenanigans. So this is our second episode, which means it'll be at the end of the combo EP for folks. Thank you all for listening. You can send us uh, email at overduepod@gmail.com. You can hit us up on Twitter and Facebook at Overdue Pod. Um, you can find out more stuff at our website. Andrew, tell us about the website.
2: Overduepodcast.com is that website up there we have links to the books that we have read and are going to read uh we have links to apple and google and our rss feed you can find us on spotify find us on stitcher uh look for craig's podcast seinfeld triple x which is currently celebrating the 30th anniversary of each individual episode of seinfeld's second season yeah uh, where they also talk about world events so it's also a fun kind of way to watch like the gulf war and the and, and stuff kind of and play the, out in real time we're
1: really yeah. tracking the gulf war and the billboard charts those are the two things yes. that we are and really like the, keeping an eye on the
2: fall of the iron curtain and stuff uh-huh. it's <laughs> fun um what else I, I guess that's it we're gonna come back with more don quixote next month like craig said
1: yep did you mention the patreon find out more about these oh, yeah. patreon slash
2: overdue pod uh, get bonus episodes early. Come hang out with us when we record some of our bonus episodes. It's always fun. Yep, that's it. And yeah, I think that's good.
1: All right, what do we say at the end of every episode of Jagged Little Mill, Andrew? Wait,
0: I actually
2: don't know what we say at the end of every episode.
1: The joke is that none of these are ever the same. And yeah, c- and then I and, and I never think about it before
2: the exact minute that I need to think of something. <laughs> Uh uh Don't don't
0: don't go chasing windmills.
1: There it is, thank you. <laughs> is it okay? <laughs>
0: through the woodland, through the valley comes a horseman wild and free, tilting at the windmills passing. Who can the brave young horseman be? He is wild, but he is mellow, he is strong, but he is weak. He is cruel, but he is gentle. He is wise, but he is meek.
1: Hey everybody, welcome to Jagged Little Mill, a Don Quixote (laughs) podcast brought to you by Overdue, a podcast about the books you've been meaning to read. My name is Craig.
2: My name's Andrew, and I, honest to goodness, did forget that we called it that.
1: I I, (laughs) uh, I had a moment right before I said it where I was like, is that the name? And that's the name. I do have the spreadsheet for our our reading schedule open. I was like, okay, I'm going to go with it. Yep. (laughs) That's fine.
2: It's, It's fine. So...